other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Tomorrow, everyone, this is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm superstar Frank Morano. I appreciate you tuning in. Well, many of you may have heard or read the news that recently re-elected New York City Council Member Justin Brannon, who beat Republican Council Member Ari Kagan by 18 points to continue representing Bay Ridge and nearby neighborhoods in Brooklyn, is seriously considering running next year to unseat Republican Congresswoman Nicole. Maliotakis. Multiple sources confirm that to the New York Post. I know uh, both Justin and Nicole for many, many years. I am uh, much closer with Nicole and I've always been a supporter of hers politically. In fact, I'm the person that first persuaded her to run for office. So even though I like Justin, I would absolutely be supporting Nicole if this race were to ever come to pass. But the interesting thing about this race is that Justin Brannon or any other Democrat is not really the person that Nicole Maliotakis is running against. The entity that Nicole Maliotakis is running against is the New York State Court of Appeals and the decision that we are awaiting from them on redistricting. You see, we just redid these congressional lines. The state legislature with a Democratic supermajority tried to gerrymander the lines and redistrict all the Republicans out of existence. Well, the Republicans sued and a judge ruled that an independent master had to come in and redraw the lines. He did. Now, even though these lines should be good for 10 years, the Democrats are hoping to use their newfound partisan advantage at the New York State Court of Appeals to allow the legislature to redraw the lines again and try to gerrymander Nicole out of her seat. If the lines are substantially similar to what they are now, I don't think Justin is going to run. I think he'll only run if they redraw the lines to give the Democrats a significant advantage which would be a real shame and create a new precedent in New York. Be a shame not only because it would be very difficult for Nicole to win, but it's undemocratic. Constituents should choose their legislators, not the other way around. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm superstar Frank Morano. The interesting thing about politicians is that they rush when there's an opportunity to get a headline to pass or do something that sounds good and then they realize that if we'd actually taken a look at what the long-term implications of those decisions were, we would have come to a different decision. That is precisely what is going on in New Jersey right now, where lawmakers and Governor Phil Murphy probably had no idea what they were getting into in early 2022 after Russia invaded Ukraine when they quickly enacted a law that barred New Jersey from doing business with Russian and Belarusian tied companies. Murphy said at the time, we are sending a strong message today to Vladimir Putin and his cronies in Belarus that their actions will not be tolerated. But another famous name got the message as well. J.P. Morgan, the company, not the person. Xerox as well. And Target, a flooring company and major supplier of turf fields in the state. After those companies submitted forms to the 
the state required for state contracts or subsidies obtained by Politico New Jersey through the Open Public Records Act. Disclosing Russian subsidiaries or other Russian connections, the state began the process of blacklisting them under the law. For J.P. Morgan, that could have meant losing $266 million in tax credits awarded during the Christie administration, as well as being prohibited from banking with local governments. Xerox, for what it's worth, has since divested from Russia. But the American subsidiary of Japanese electronics firm Kyocera is suing the state after it got ensnared in the law since its parent company has a Russian subsidiary. A federal judge issued a temporary restraining order in August that barred the state from enforcing the law against the American subsidiary of Kyocera, saying the company was likely to succeed on its claims the law was unconstitutional. That company is being represented by former attorney general in New Jersey, Christopher Perino. So I think the state is seeing the writing on the wall and they have voluntarily paused on enforcing the law altogether, giving some of those other big companies at least a temporary reprieve as the state tries to figure out what's going on. The state is continuing to defend the law in court, though. But this bill went from being introduced to being signed in less than 10 days with no opposition. And what does that suggest? That suggests that no one vetted the legislation itself. No one looked at what the implications would be for these companies or for New Jersey's economy. This was one of those things where it was just rushed through because people wanted a neat press release to go along with the anti-Russia sentiment which was gripping the country at the time. The next time this happens, let's take a breath and let's actually read the legislation that we're voting on, gentlemen. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Hey, do you remember Pablo Guzman? Pablo Guzman was a terrific journalist. A journalist that started out as the co-founder of the Young Lords Party and was street smart, and I think that only added to his value as a street reporter and an anchor. He understood the streets of New York. In fact, when he was working for Channel 5, they alluded to that in a promo that ran on Channel 5 at the time. People say I'm tough, but I had to be. You see, in the 1970s, I ran these streets with the Young Lords Party, and I learned that nobody gives you anything on a silver platter, especially not a news story. That's why I go after them with the same drive I used back then. Today, I'm still on the street, though not with the Lords. You see, I left that group and joined this one. <laughs> Pablo Guzman, on Channel 5, 10 o'clock news. We give it to you straight. He had a great career with Channel 4, with Channel 5, with Channel 2, some print work. I believe he worked for the New York Daily News as well. I got to know him a little bit over the years. A wonderful guy and a great reporter. And I'll never forget the story he told me about uh, meeting Nelson Mandela and the question that Nelson Mandela asked him. Mandela asked him, hey, what's John Gotti really like? That's what Nelson Mandela wanted to know, at least according to Pablo Guzman. Unfortunately, he has passed away at the age of 73, and uh, I am going to miss him. As a person and as a reporter, this is someone that is not easily replaced. Rest in peace, Pablo Guzman. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 WBC. Local Spotlight. 
I'm sure many of you remember the story of New York Democratic Congressman Jamal Bowman, who pulled a house building fire alarm back in September. Bowman has agreed to plead guilty to one charge of a false fire alarm and pay a $1,000 fine to avoid prosecution by the D.C. Attorney General. This is what caught my interest. The House Ethics Committee voted against opening an investigation into Congressman Jamal Bowman for pulling this fire alarm. So the Ethics Committee Chairman Michael Guest and Ranking Member Susan Wild, one Republican, one Democrat, they said in a press release that the panel is required to consider whether to establish an investigative subcommittee within 30 days of a member being criminally charged. A majority of the panel, which consists of five Democrats, five Republicans, did not vote to establish an investigative committee. A Bowman spokesperson didn't respond to any comment from Axios when they reached out. But here we have a congressman, a former principal, by the way, who pulled a fire alarm in the Cannon House office building just before a pivotal vote on a measure to temporarily fund the government prompted an evacuation of the building. Republicans and others accused Bowman of pulling the alarm in an attempt to help Democrats delay the vote and buy time to review the legislation. But Bowman said he mistakenly pulled it, believing it would open an emergency exit door. Bowman set off another firestorm in the following days with a messaging memo sent to his Democratic colleagues urging them to defend him by saying Republicans should focus on, quote, Nazi members of their own party. The court documents submitted by the D.C. Attorney General's office said security camera footage showed Bowman attempting to open the door before pulling the alarm and then trying several other doors. Bowman said the evidence proved he did not obstruct nor intend to obstruct any House vote or proceeding. The D.C. Attorney General, though, said they lack the jurisdiction to prosecute a federal crime. I must say, for a committee that is obsessed and going after George Sanders it strikes me as the least they could do to investigate this. If they chose not to go any further after an investigation, so be it. But this decision to not even open a state of subcommittee when there's a pretty glaring disparity in Bowman's version of events versus what his critics accused of strikes me as a missed mark by the Ethics Committee. I'm not looking to make a federal case out of it unless there's a federal case to be made. Beam me up! To be. Continued.